Radical, episode 167. Welcome, Radical, ladies and gents. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. I have the pleasure today of recording this from the inside of the cab of my truck. My uh, my children have a, a Sunday practice. They do um, you know all sorts of jujitsu, and we're in tournament mode right now. So. Uh, man, I'll tell you, jiu-jitsu is kind of a, a way of life uh, a lot of times for uh, people who are very committed to the sport, and my family is is one of those families. And so uh, my, my three children, they, they come down and, uh, you know, do prep for the, the tournaments. They, they practice two hours a day on Sunday in the afternoon. Uh, they practice Saturdays. They practice uh, another, you know, three hours during the week. And I'm telling you, like they, they put it in, but I have the opportunity, uh, on this glorious Sunday afternoon, uh, to come out here. It's not a, a terribly bad recording booth, uh, probably a little too much glass in here. So I, I apologize if there's a, a little bit of a reverb, but, um, this week has got me thinking a lot about, um, PTSD. Um, it was obviously Veterans Day. It was the Marine Corps birthday, um, a week that I absolutely dis- I, I don't like it every year. You know, it's one of those you know, thank you for your service kind of stuff, and you know, I'm not really down with that kind of thing. And uh, you know, the Marine Corps birthday is, you know, I, I love my Marines. I love them to death. Um, you know, and to I, I just I don't participate in a lot of this kind of stuff. It's one of those things where. Um, it, I don't know, just, it doesn't, it doesn't bring up great memories. Uh, it doesn't bring up, you know, pieces of the past that I want to, you know, that I want to recall on a, uh, on a normal basis. You know, it's, it's something that I lived and learned. It's something that I can definitely, you know, look back on and, and think, you know, I'm glad to have survived the experiences. Um, and I'm glad to have met a lot of the people that I have because of those to, to be able to to interface with them the, the the cultural exchange you name it like there there's a lot that I have lived and learned because of the military but um, you know a, a world that's better than uh, what I experienced growing up is something that I'm pushing for for my children and I thought uh, we'd get into it today because I, I, I wanted to do I wanted to do a show on PTSD for a while. Um, but this week has really driven it home uh, on top of that because I've saw a ton of people talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and I, I watched um, some of the highlights myself. Um, some of you guys may have seen where Kyle uh, broke down on the stand. And I wanted to address that. But first, if you guys love the show and you want to help me, uh, go out there and support it. Patreon.com slash RadicalPod. You can become a patron for as low as a dollar. And uh, I really appreciate all those of you guys that have done that. Uh, if you want to support me and you don't have a ton of money, you can go out and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. And I appreciate that. Anything and everything that you might need Radical-related is now on RadicalPod.com. Uh, a lot of you guys have asked me to throw up some stuff for you guys on the um, vaccination laws and all that fun stuff, so I'm working on getting that up for you. And um, really, uh, I mean, just the feedback from the last couple episodes, you guys are amazing, and, and welcome to everybody who's new here. Um, 
if you are new, I don't care if you're brand new into libertarianism, um, you are welcome here. I know I've got a lot of recovering Republicans and Democrats, people who are fed up with the entire thing. And I am just, um, I'm, I'm humbled to have you here in this audience. And I hope um, you're here to learn and here to, to interact with each other and here to spread the message of personal sovereignty, of peace and liberty and free markets, bodily autonomy, the idea that we don't need government in our lives, that the, the, you know, the greatest societies are built on volunteerism. And that's what radical is. Uh, it's that we as human beings really don't need leaders. We just need to respect each other enough to have consentful um, interactions with each other. So without further ado, we're going to get into this show. Um, like I said, I'm going to try to get you guys a lot more content um, in the coming weeks and months and, and things like that. Um, I'm going to try to eke out, you know, little shows wherever I can. And this is, you know, one way I can do it. I got the, the opportunity to sit here and talk about uh, PTSD and what I've seen. Um, like I said, the Kyle um, Rittenhouse trial triggered this one for me. And I use that word um, on purpose. Uh, PTSD is not something that I don't think most people understand. And I say that because I think to have a, a really good understanding of it, you have to have had it. You have to have dealt with it for a number of years. And I think you need to have come to a place where you can explain it. And in, in a peaceful uh, within yourself, with it, you know, to have peace while you're explaining it to other people, and all week long, what I saw, um, you know, left, right, center um, of the Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, trial was just so, you know, divided and polarized because of, you know, politics in America. You had, you know, obviously. Yeah, people on the right, he's he's not guilty, you know, no matter what. And people on the left, he's he's always guilty. And you can go back to uh, episode forty-six of Radical. You know, this is the very beginning. It was around August twenty-fifth that the event happened. I think the show was on August twenty-eighth. So right afterwards, um, and I laid it down for you. Um, I'll tell you, you know, straight off the bat, you know, my conclusion of that event, even back then, was it was foolish of a young man to take a weapon and put himself in that arena. And, you know, I, I don't think it's just the young men. I think it's any person uh, that's, that thinks that they're going to go out and get involved in that type of situation. Like, if you're, gonna, if you're going to do that, I think it's foolish. I'm not saying that good people shouldn't ever stand up. I'm, I, I don't think that. I know the, 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 the police, you know, were not, you know, defending uh, people's private property. And obviously that just goes to show you that when the chips are down, the government's going to bail on you. Uh, and, and that we, we, should, we should probably uh, defund most of these organizations because they don't work. They're government. They don't care about people. They don't care about your, your personal or private property. They don't care about your businesses. And when push comes to shove, they're going to tuck tail and run. That's the truth. You know, if we're looking at, you know, how that works from left, right, and center, you know, for us as volunteerists, we, we know that just because it's not paid for by, you know, force and coercion and tax, 
you know, a, a police department doesn't mean you, you won't pay for a police department uh, based on volunteerism. I mean, I, of course, would be happy to pay a, uh, a police force that is out there, uh, you know, really solving the heinous crimes and going after the murderers and the rapers and, and the thieves and, you know, the, just the, the worst among us. But that's not what happens. And overwhelmingly, that's not what happens. In America, only 2% of the crimes that are committed in heinous fashion, the rapes, the murders, the assaults, the kidnapping, the coercion, the theft, vandalism, all that stuff, 2% of that stuff is solved by police. That is a, that's an incredibly low number. What they do is they target Americans, peaceful people, because peaceful people are easy to take money from. And that's what they've become. For the most part, they have become people who disagree with you, who are mad at you, right? For, for doing something that they maybe don't agree with and using you know these fiat laws that the legislatures and the executives have come together on and said, yeah, you know, we'll pass this and we'll take advantage of peaceful people. That's where we've come to in America. And that's why there's such distrust amongst the citizens in this nation and the people in the executive branch and the government in general, but specifically between uh, the quote unquote thin blue line and the, the, the private peaceful citizens of America. There, there's never been a wider gap between those two people, uh, two groups of people now. And so to, to get back to this, you know, the story, um, you know, Kyle went out, uh, he didn't wear body armor and all that kind of stuff. And, um, he dispatched, I think a pedo and a, uh, a guy that had been convicted of, you know, touching females and assaulting females and things like that. Like, this guy was, the, the guys that he killed uh, and the other guy that he shot were not good guys. And, I mean, one dude just hung himself on the stand there when he was basically like, well, yeah, I was trying to almost execute him and Kyle shot me in the bicep, basically. And, and the prosecutor in this, man, just, you can tell he has no understanding when, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse makes him look like a fool for the questions he's asking um, while Kyle was on the stand. But the moment that really, boy, I'll tell you, it was hard to watch, uh, was when Kyle was asked to recount the event of, um, you know, retreating, uh, taking the first shot uh, that dispatched uh, the, the child molester, taking the second one where a guy was assaulting him with a skateboard and dispatching that guy, clearing a malfunction within a matter of seconds, and then blowing that guy's bicep apart, um, with his with his final engagement unbelievable um like i said should have never been there but he was rendering aid earlier in the day um he was he was being helpful uh lots of people out there saw him people testified that uh kyle was not threatening anybody in fact he was doing anything and everything he could to help people and uh and render aid to people I think this is, you know, this is a case of that do-gooder kid. You know, if if I was his age and I saw my towns being burnt down, and I'll tell you, you know, I've done things like this before where I've gone out um, with, you know, with my weapon 
and waited uh, to see if anybody was going to uh, do some vandalism, right? Like the, the vandalism that was happening in my apartment complex uh, when I was in school after I was in the Marine Corps. You know, the cops weren't doing shit about it. And so me and a bunch of Marines went out, you know, it was late night. And instead of, you know, getting canned up and, and drinking that night, we decided, hey, we're going to wait around because a couple of our uh, our vehicles had been broken into and they weren't catching the guy. And we we're like, this has got to stop. And so we took matters into our own hands. And as a public, when people are doing this kind of crap, you should be able to take matters into your own hands and stop the, the people who are taking your life, liberty and property. That's just the nature of how this is. And I think Kyle probably felt the same. Is it foolish? Maybe. Will it possibly haunt you for the rest of your life if it actually goes kinetic? Most definitely. And that's the thing is Kyle was 17 when this happened. And so when I see this man, young man, on the stand trying to recount that night and absolutely losing his composure, the quivering chin and lip are, you know, just... Those are things that are hard to fake. The hyperventilation, not so much hard to fake, but the, when you do it with a quivering lip and chin while trying to explain things, that is something I have seen. It's something that I have gone through. It's something that I have coached other men through that have had post-traumatic stress. And to see the reaction from, you know, some of these people out there, you know, maybe, maybe, let's just say it is fake. It's an Academy Award winning fake uh, display of post-traumatic stress. Absolutely top notch if it's fake. I don't know that Kyle's got that kind of acting chops. I don't know. Is he extremely talented? He is extremely talented. For a young man to do what that man did out there with a gun without hurting anybody else besides the people who were absolutely attacking him to clear a malfunction, and I don't know what type it was, whether it was uh, type one, two, three, or four uh, malfunction, but that man sat there, took a knee, cleared a malfunction, got that weapon up and running, and defended himself in a matter of seconds like Kyle's got some skills so I don't know is it outside the realm of possibility that it was acting I don't know I don't think so I think any person who takes life unless he's a psychopath deals with this kind of thing and the thing is there are not that many psychopaths in this world there's not most people go throughout their day without hurting people without killing people, without stealing from them. They, they interact like we interact, naturally, without inviting retribution onto us, right? Like we don't want to invite retribution into our lives because it, it's risk. By nature, most of us are pretty risk adverse or at least measured risk reverse, adverse. And I don't think, you know, a young man, 17 years old, you know, while foolish is, you know, going to go out there and do such a thing in terms of 
going out looking to kill people. I'm going to say it again. I think it was foolish of them. But out of all the 17-year-olds in the world that could have done what Kyle did that night in a bad situation, not hurting anyone else, not just blasting the crowd, um, and not getting himself killed. There, there's a very, very slim population of people that exist that could have done what Kyle did that night. So for this young man to have two lives that he's taken, even though they were absolute bastards, he didn't know that at the time, and he's still going to live with a first-hand account of doing that for the rest of his life, I wanted to address how PTSD works. PTSD is one of those things um, that I think is a misnomer to begin with. I don't think it's post-traumatic stress disorder. I think there's post-traumatic stress. It's not a disorder. It's It's a moment in your life when you start to better understand life. It is a it is a a lesson that I hope most people never ever learn. I think by our human nature, though, obviously, post traumatic stress is just a normal thing. It's, life is stress, and in in these emergency situations, you know, you're going to learn something if you live through it. You're going to learn. That is the the natural coping capability, the natural learning mechanism that has kept us alive for millions and millions and millions of years, right? Like, this is, you're not here by accident. Somewhere in, in in your background, your genes, your ancestors have reacted to stress for, for a long, 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 long time. Whatever you believe in terms of, you know, where humans came from, how long they've been around and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to get into this from my understanding, from my experience, and talk to you guys about a few things. Now, a lot of people won't even know that they have post-traumatic stress or, you know, they're a tough guy like I was when I was younger and they'll absolutely deny the fact that they ever had post-traumatic stress because they don't want to be looked at differently, right? They, for, for me, I don't think I even considered that I had post-traumatic stress probably until I was, I don't know, 36, 37. That was 12, uh, uh, well, I guess 10 years after um, I left the Marine Corps, a decade. Think about that. For 10 years, I had post-traumatic stress and I had, I wouldn't even deal with it, right? I had like, I was like, man, if I got this under control, then nobody else can say shit to me about post-traumatic stress, right? Like I'm, I'm extremely high functioning. I, I, I don't, you know, react. I I leave people alone. I've adjusted. I am extremely um, productive in, in my careers and, to to the average person you know they just look at you and go no man that guy if if there's anybody who's got it together it's that guy there's no way he's suffering from you know post-traumatic stress 
And that's why I don't think it's a disorder. I think it is what you make it. Now, I think they've stigmatized it on purpose in this nation um, through Veterans Affairs, through the DOD, through propaganda to alienate, ostracize, and not, you know, not address the real problem, right? Which is obviously that we're in too many bullshit wars to begin with. We're in too many fucked up places doing too many fucked up things as a country in our foreign policy. And they don't want to talk about those kind of things. They definitely won't, don't want to talk about, you know, medical paths back, but I digress. I, I didn't even think about this until, you know, cannabis was introduced. Psilocybin. The ability to change your perspective on where you're at and then to begin talking about your experience. Now, when Kyle Rittenhouse did this part of it, this is what really got me thinking. You know, in terms of, you know, you got, a lot of people don't understand PTSD. Yes. Can you be out and about in your normal life on an everyday type of, you know, I don't know, just, just life, living, smiling, uh, interacting, not thinking about your past experiences. Of course you can, you know, and, and that's the thing is, I think that's where most people who have post-traumatic stress, you know, should be. You know, and it's, it's not until they are triggered that something kicks in. So when, when I was asked, you know, to, to give my accounts of a lot of situations, uh, whether it was, you know, places in the job, Fallujah, Iraq, whatever, and giving those accounts, man, when I first started telling those stories to at that time, my church, uh, to the men's groups that I was in, man, I couldn't get through them. I couldn't. I, um, I would kind of lose my composure a little bit in terms of, um, you know, the, the tears would start to come. I would lose my breath. I would lose my words. And I wasn't able to effectively communicate to people, you know, what was happening why this was so hard. I hadn't worked through the, the history yet, right? I, there's somewhere inside I had not processed this effectively. And so a lot of what post-traumatic stress is, is just compression of that life event, right? It's, it's almost, I don't want to say it's denial, but you're putting that thing away because it's a dark part of your life you're going to put it back in that part of your brain where you don't want to think about it. You don't want to bring it up. It's in, in that, you know, proverbial, um, you know, in case of firebox, man, you don't, you don't go in that box unless there's an emergency and you need to break something out, uh, that's going to help you survive. Serious as a heart attack. That's, that's the way I understand it within my own brain. Like I don't need to revert to, who that man is, that monster, right? Like, and let's face it, you know, as, as Jordan Peterson talks about, like, men and women, you need to be monsters. But you got to have that shit on lockdown. You got to have that stuff contained for just such an emergency. 
right? Like that's the truth. And post-traumatic stress is one of those things that helps you in those situations, right? There are, there are people who have not been through post-traumatic stress that have the skill sets to get them through things. And that's great. You know, that, that higher functioning brain is going to get you through emergency situations. But there are those people who have had that training, who have stored that, that traumatic event in the back of their mind to get through it. So the first, I think one of the first understandings is, is like, you've got to be able to say, yeah, man, I've had some post-traumatic stress. I don't know that I am in the right circles to talk about it. Maybe I should get into the right circles to talk about it because that that's one of the first steps in accepting it and getting through it and normalizing it within your own life. Um, and that's what happened with me, man. I mean, with me and my wife, specifically that men's group, um, thank God for all of them you know, for, for listening, for caring, for, um, you know, like for, to, to, to sit there and have those extremely hard discussions to see, you know, a grown man, you know, a guy that they consider, you know, a warrior, right? Like a, like no kidding guy has been through hell and back to lose it, to break down. That's, that's okay. That's okay. It's what you need to do to get through that. So that is kind of the first part of PTSD. There are, um, you know, there are internal reminders that will trigger PTSD, right? Like a lot of times in the beginning, um, you know, there's, there's five different signs, you know, there's a life threatening event, there's internal reminders, um, there's avoidance of external reminders so that you, you know you're not actively you're, you're actively avoiding things um, there's altered anxiety and there's changes in mood or thinking so when when you're looking at you know we've identified that you've had a, a life-threatening event you know there are internal reminders that you don't talk about with people of those life-threatening events and, you know in the beginning a lot of times they're, they're more familiar to you, you know, because those memories are sharper, they're more acute. And I'll tell you, you know, that like the, this one, uh, the internal reminders and the avoidance of external reminders. A lot of times your internal reminders will be triggered by the external reminders, right? And people will talk about flashbacks. Flashback is not, you know, uncommon and it's one of those things that I don't think a lot of people understand right like for a moment it's not that you're unaware of your surroundings when you have a very um, real memory as if the the world kind of I don't want to say melts away it's there but what you're seeing in your mind's eye at that time can be extremely real almost as real as when you were experiencing especially in the beginning when you when you're dealing with this kind of stuff um it is you know it it can it can pause somebody right where 
if you see somebody that's definitely had post-traumatic stress and you know you're in a situation which is good for the public to understand especially you know veterans type of thing you know the the number like one of the number one things especially for males in terms of memory recall are smells and so when there is you know for for me for instance um when i smell gunpowder you know i love i love shooting you know I've, uh, if if i'm if i'm going out to to sharpen up on um you know rifle or pistol skills or anything like that you know i love the smell of gunpowder but it also has that effect on me that in the right situation especially this time of year with a christmas in the air a little bit of you know a little bit of gunpowder and it'll send me right back to some situations that i don't want to remember and i'm guaranteed to remember them during those things um i'm like the smell of carrot cake for me i i know it's a weird thing but we found um some carrot cake in a in a bakery when i was over there during some of the the most intense uh firefight you could possibly imagine and you know we ate it and it was delicious but i will never ever think of carrot cake any differently than that situation every time i have it i am thankful that i got through that situation um uh, the you know the the smell of you know decomposing uh rotting flesh bodies organs guts you name it uh certain smells within you know burning like all these things are major triggers for me in terms of those type of memories and to be aware of that to be you know cognizant of what your triggers are so that you know when they come about you know unexpectedly a lot of times you're you're able to kind of handle that situation in a in a very normal positive way um and you know i don't obviously Kyle he's not anywhere near that kind of stuff yet um and he obviously like i said earlier he hasn't talked through it but to understand the the idea that you don't have to avoid those um but it's okay if you do. You know, if, if you're not ready to, to go through those things again, um, you know, and it's little by little. I, you know, for me, what worked was little by little doing that stuff again. Get back on the horse, go back out, shoot, you know, shoot guns, shoot rifles, shoot pistols. Um, you know, go back through the mechanics, get good at it again, enjoy it again. Um, stop thinking about it at night only, you know, like, your your mind can be your worst enemy or your best friend in this but to avoid some of those situations until you get those things under control isn't a bad thing it's a, it's smart but try you know try a little bit at a time and that way you you are working through things um in terms of an altered anxiety state you are going to be different in the world with PTSD, right? I mean, for me, I like being, <laughs> I like being with my family. I like being with trusted people. And, um, you know, there's a lot of times where if I'm not amongst my tribe, 
you know, there's, there's a heightened sense of awareness and, and rightly so. Right. Um, that's okay. Like this is just your body's way of keeping you safe. And the thing is, is you have more experience than most people in this world when it comes to traumatic life altering, life threatening events. So don't look at yourself as this, you know, know, this person that shouldn't be out, shouldn't be doing things that shouldn't be interacting. Like you're a freak. You're not a freak. You have more experience in this world than 99.9% of people, right? Like 99.9% of people haven't been through life threatening events that they live through, especially where they've had to defend their own life and take a life, which is a really good thing. You're not a freak. You just have some extra life experience that cautions you, um, where most people are oblivious to those situations, right? Like for me, a lot of times I avoid really big crowds. Like I, I think, you know, uh, you know, agitated large crowds are some of the most dangerous things. That's why when Kyle went out into an agitated large crowd, you know, like that foreseeably, if I'm going to advise young men and women, Hey, you want to avoid something, avoid agitated, large crowds at all cost. A lot of times you're not going to get out of those alive, especially if you're the lone guy with a gun, just the way it is. Um, and changes in your mood and thinking, that's, you know, the last sign of PTSD, the, you are, you're going to have some changes. You, you're growing. This is just life. And, and the thing is, is as you go through life, your moods and, and thinking, you know, like they change. That's, that's just human nature. So to look at this as a disorder, uh, I think is, like I said before, I think it is one of those things that is absolutely concocted and manipulated by the state for uh, some very specific reasons, and none of them are good. Okay, so let's, I guess I've never defined, you know, post-traumatic stress from the dictionary. Post-traumatic stress, I'm not going to say disorder. It's an anxiety that's caused by a very stressful or frightening, distressing event, right? Like super easy. Um, they'll ask, how does it feel? Uh, some people will tell you post-traumatic stress is a mental health condition. It's triggered by a terrifying event, either experiencing it or witnessing it. Symptoms may include flashbacks, nightmares, severe anxiety, as well as uncontrollable thoughts about that event. A lot of people throw in disorder in there, right? Flashbacks, I've talked about nightmares. Let's talk about nightmares for a second. Um, your brain, incredibly amazing organ. Piece of, I, I, you know, like, I don't know. Like, you, the brain is so damn complicated. We will, I don't know that humans will ever understand its complexity, its capabilities, and we we have limited those things. Now, my experiences with nightmares were um, mostly in the beginning of my trip through post-traumatic stress. You know, f- flashbacks to situations um, or, or, or nightmares about those situations were nightmares that were related to 
those uh, those days, right? And, you know, could could have been a completely um, different type of scene, different people around, whatever. Your your brain is doing some things, right? Like it's it's trying to uh, make sense of some situations. It's trying to uh, to to protect you. It's trying to get you to address some things, right? Like it's a reminder that hey, man, you might still have some things that aren't quite worked out yet. And maybe that's just a signal to you that maybe you need to work on some things. Maybe you need to work on understanding this, you know, maybe some anxiety, maybe this, you know, this, this mood that you're in, maybe, you know, that maybe you need some empathy. You know, it's, it's one of those things that if you're still having nightmares about kind of stuff, you probably need to work on it. Now I'll tell you for myself, um, the, the nightmares about war, about death, about taking life, um, all of that has subsided quite a, quite a long time ago for me. You know, it's not that I won't ever have like a dream about the Marine Corps, but like most of the time, you know, I can interrupt my own dream within the dream and say, you know, obviously, obviously dreaming, I'm not in the Marine Corps anymore. Um, I'm too damn old and too damn slow and, um, you know, what the hell would I be thinking? But I wanted to, to touch on that. And there's maybe the, the, the last part um, that I'll talk about is the question is, does this PTSD go away? Um, I don't think post-traumatic stress ever goes away. It might if you get Alzheimer's. It might if you have um, some sort of mental degeneration uh, disease or something like that where you don't remember those things. I don't know. Um, a lot of times the brain stores these things in a, you know, obviously in a different way, um, that is triggered by very different things that may never, ever, ever go away. Um, the, the effects can last, you know, weeks, months, years, decades, your entire life. It's all about the individual and how much you want to work on getting yourself to a state where you can be healthy with these things. It's not that you're ever going to forget them. I mean, and I don't think that's, I don't think that should be the goal because you have wisdom. And like I said, you have a life event that you can share with other people that will help keep them safe. It will, it will help inform our species on good versus bad, right? Like, especially for myself, right? I have, I have this, these events that now, because I have a voice and I can speak about these things without hyperventilating, without my bottom lip and chin quivering, without gasping and crying, I can share those things with anybody and everybody who will listen as a point of authority and experience, somebody who's been there and done those things. It does, you know, it it does slowly over the years, if you work on it, get better, gets healthier, um, to the point where you can become a real asset for other people. You can become a real asset for the, the, the men and women who have gone through very similar events. And here's the thing is, you know, a lot of times they're civilians 
And because you have a work ethic, especially as a veteran, right? Like you, you have a, you, a lot of times you're going to have a high drive. You're going to have, you know, this, this, you know, ability to organize things and then to check things off. If you, you know, make it your mission to work through and you should, if you, if you suffer from post-traumatic stress, if it's not a healthy thing for you, then make a, make a checklist, add to that checklist, check that checklist off, work through. If you need to make bullet points under bullet points, boxes under boxes to check things off, that's, that's your mission. Get to a point where you can help other people understand post-traumatic stress. And the thing is, is my way isn't going to be perfect for the next person. But I'll tell you, you know, for myself and for everybody else out there, I think that this government has absolutely denied veterans the, um, the access to cannabis and psilocybin specifically because there's no money in it. And when you have had those experiences, those, those guided psychedelic experiences with a mission to reconnect with your empathy, to reconnect with people around you, to open up your heart, to open yourself up, to be vulnerable to other people again, instead of this hard ass that is just mission driven. You have the ability to change your life naturally without pills, without feeling like a freak, without being stigmatized. I, th- I wish people would understand that. I wish, you know, I could take sheriffs and mayors and say, hey man, why don't you come out here and, and I don't know, take some cannabis, take an edible, I don't know, smoke a little flower, take a rip on some vape. I don't care. Just a little bit. Let's have this guided conversation. Let's have this peace pipe together. Let's heal some things, you know, out here so that you understand that in your communities, this is an absolute game changer for bringing people together for uniting people, for getting them in touch with spirituality, not just religion, spirituality, reaching deep inside their own souls, connecting with something that is primal of this earth. You have a psychedelic system built into you, right? Your endocannabinoid system is highly responsive to things like THC and CBD for a purpose Your body is built to react to things like psilocybin, things that make people psychoactive. Doesn't mean you're going to go out and do crazy things, especially if you can be guided through these with people who have real experience in changing their lives for the better. I highly encourage people. And in the, in the background, I'm working out a plan for this, for people in my area. 
the logistics of it. How are we going to do this and how are we going to not be persecuted for wanting to heal ourselves mentally, spiritually, as a community? How do we start to put that glue, that foundation, that we respect each other enough to at least leave each other alone? And if we can get past that, we can actually start to build a healthy community. We can start to address mental health in our counties, in our cities, in our state, in this country. If we can do that in a healthy way with things like cannabis and psilocybin, things that naturally have been provided to us by this amazing planet, we've got a real chance to do some amazing things together, and I think that's what they're scared of. I think they are scared to death of people connecting with each other on a spiritual level that cannot be explained without the state, without religion, without churches. Decentralized spiritual reconnection with each other. It makes perfect sense when you say it out loud. It makes perfect sense that they would never, ever, ever want somebody with such powerful stories to be able to, to relate these things to other people. I don't know what I'm going to call this program yet. I have zero clue. And as I work it out, I am completely open to your thoughts, your ideas, and how we sell this, brand it. And I mean sell, like, I mean, how do we get people to get curious about these things to the point where they say, yeah, you know what? Maybe we should try this. Maybe my religion isn't working. The state definitely isn't working. The VA doesn't work at all. And counter to that, they spend hundreds of billions of dollars a year on pharmaceuticals that kill people, that lead them to suicide that lead them to abuse of other narcotics, abuse of their family, physical abuse. I can tell you right now, I don't know anybody and I have never ex experienced the idea or the thought, especially with psilocybin or cannabis, that I ever wanted to do another person harm. In fact, to the other end of it, I felt more patience, I felt more connected, I felt more empathy for my fellow man, and I gave them the benefit of the doubt that this system that has produced them to think the way they think, to act the way they act, through force and coercion from the age of five, is a direct result of the communities, the country, the counties that we have now. And if we see the problem, we understand the problem, we can fix it. Post-traumatic stress, coupled with these natural ailments and remedies within each other, we've got a golden opportunity right now to start pushing for things like this. And awareness, 
and changing our own societies locally. And the people that would want to stop us are absolutely skylined right now as tyrants using force and coercion to push their morality on us. If you need help with your post-traumatic stress, you can reach me at Shane at ShaneHazel.com. I would be humbled to help you walk through this. If it's somebody, it's a loved one in your life that needs help with something, you need to engage with them first before you sign them up for something like this. You need to engage with them and ask for their permission because until they want to help themselves, until society wants to help itself, we're going to be stuck doing the same old thing. Reach out if you need help. I don't care if you're a veteran or not. Post-traumatic stress and mental issues are things that we need to really dive into as a society and as a culture. And it is something that has been burning in the back of my brain since I've cleared a lot of these hurdles and now can be a guide for people to have healthier lives, to have healthier cities and counties and communities, healthier families. That's going to do it for this episode of Radical. I hope you'll share it with anybody and everybody in your life who might even, you might even suspect of having post-traumatic stress. We're changing the world, ladies and gents, little by little by little by taking action. And that action comes from you sharing messages like this. I want to thank each and every one of you for all the, the shares, for all of the, the encouragement for showing up and doing something one day at a time from the bottom of my heart i'm humbled to have you in this audience until next time i love you i need you peace um don't hurt people and don't take their stuff